you know, I think I was like at my daughter's gymnastic class and I created a LinkedIn profile on my phone. And the first person I added uh, was another of my brothers. He's a data scientist. And he messaged me immediately. Hey, I think somebody is trying to pretend to be you. Is that really you on LinkedIn? Because it was so odd that I would have a LinkedIn. Hello, and welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this weekly show, I speak with successful developers about their advice on learning to code and getting your first junior developer job. I'm Alex, and today I'm joined by Chris McCoy, who just got their first junior developer job recently. Now, Chris has done all kinds of jobs in his 33 years, from retail to mowing grass, all the way to food delivery with apps like Instacart. While working these various odd-end jobs, Chris also worked part-time as a pastor, serving his local community, which is just incredible. I love the diversity of the Scrimba podcast. When we started, we could never have predicted talking to such a diverse group of individuals who learn to code and change their careers. And this really was a big career change for Chris because doing part-time work can really take a toll on your schedule and your family life. It's also very hard to find the autonomy, mastery and purpose that we all desire. Chris thought web development could be the gateway to earning more money and having more control over his schedule. And my goodness, he was right. In this episode, you are going to learn from Chris and how specifically he managed to leverage LinkedIn as a brand new LinkedIn user. Chris literally didn't need a LinkedIn account as a pastor or delivery driver. But once he made his account, he managed to crack the code and get hundreds of likes, connect with recruiters, and use those connections to secure a job. You are listening to the Scrimba podcast. Let's get into it. I messed around with coding a little bit in high school for, you know, like three or four months. I was trying to do stuff and then I didn't touch it again until I was 33. So a little bit of a time gap there. Since I'm also a pastor, it's a part-time job. I've been doing other stuff along with it and I've done everything, you know, worked retail, I mowed grass, lots of other things, some handyman work. But most recently, I was doing food delivery and DoorDash and Uber Eats and Instacart and that sort of thing. And I just got really kind of tired of it. Uh, and I was like, there has to be, you know, something that can engage my brain, something that can be a little better uh, for me time-wise and pay-wise and something that's a little more fun. And so I've got a brother-in-law who is a reactive. And I reached out to him because, you know, I've always been interested in coding. My dad did some software development. So it's always something that, like, I always thought was cool, but never really touched. So I reached out to my brother-in-law and I was like, hey, what do you think about me trying this? Because I think I saw like a Google ad for one of those Google IT certificates. I reached out to him and I was like, you know, is this a good thing? He's like, you know, you should just learn to code instead of getting, you know, some sort of, you know, Google or Microsoft certificate. That's kind of how it started. You were and presumably still are a pastor, like serving your community, but to sustain yourself, you just did a variety of jobs, it sounds like. The thing that's quite remarkable is that those jobs had nothing to do with computers, let alone coding. Yeah, lots of different things to provide for your family and spend your time. I've been a pastor for eight years. I'm an associate pastor and I do like the youth and uh, young families ministries at our church. But then since it's a part-time position, I've done lots of other stuff. You can always learn something new from 
from any job that you're doing. For a while, I worked at Chick-fil-A uh, and I was a manager there and I just, you know, got to practice talking to people and, uh, you know, because you talk to 30 or 40 people an hour coming through the drive-thru and it's always great to be in a position where you can learn something and grow. Please tell me you wrote down their recipe because I'm missing Chick-fil-A in the UK. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe off the air, I'll tell you the secret to making the chicken, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a cool place to work. It was fun. I know exactly what you mean. Like, there are some people who are perceived to have natural communication skills or be very empathetic. But for the mass majority of us, the way we get good at these things is just by being exposed to lots of different scenarios with lots of different people. Uh, it really helps you grow. And I, I sometimes think when you're doing jobs that you know aren't your vocation, like you don't necessarily dislike them, but you also know they're not quite stimulating you the way that you might like. That is often a period where you start to reflect on what is it that you want to do. Was there a reason in particular you pursued coding? I think it was something that I didn't realize I could do. Uh, it always felt like you either instantly knew everything and could do it. And so, you know, in high school, my friend loaned me, I think it was like a C plus or maybe just C. It was like the big book that kind of walks you through things. That's the other big book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I made it like three or four pages and I was just like, I didn't get it. You know, it didn't make sense. He wanted to try to start a search engine company and uh, it was just too much. I didn't get it. I gave the book back and I never kind of touched it after that because I thought, you know, I couldn't really do it. But I got to a point with uh, delivering food where I was like, pretty much anything would be better than this. What else could I try? What would be fun? I thought about like doing real estate and I was like, I don't think that would be a good fit. And then as soon as I started talking to my brother-in-law, um, you know, we started thinking about it and praying about it with my wife. And then it was like three or four people that I talked to were like, oh yeah, I could totally see you doing that. And I was like, really? That's not usually the response I get when I come up with a, what I thought was a crazy idea of, you know, let's learn to, to code and program and get a job doing it. What were the attributes they saw in you that they thought might make you a good coder? I tend to be kind of analytical. And that's part of my brain that I really like using. As soon as I started coding was when I really realized like, hey, this is not just another job that I could do to fill in the gaps. Uh, but this is something that's really fun and that I want to keep learning. It uses a different part of your brain to sit down and solve problems and, you know, find what's broken, learn different ways and more efficient ways of doing things. So I guess that and then I tend to be pretty driven. I like to try to achieve whatever my goal is. And so all the people around me really believed in me that I could, you know, do it. Even at the times where I was like, you know, I don't know that I'm ever going to make it, but I'm just going to keep trying. I reckon a lot of people can relate to your position of working a job that they want to change. And there are jobs like delivery drivers and things like that, which to be honest, like they have a fairly low barrier to entry, which means that you can hop around a little bit. How did you think about learning to code then? Because this sounds fundamentally different in that it was something that you would have to spend an undetermined amount of time. It must have felt like, but probably six, nine, 12 plus months practicing and learning in order to become hireable. How did you plan to balance that with providing for your family at the same time? I actually kept doing the delivery driving while I was learning up until May of this year. As I was getting close to finishing Scrimba and starting to apply for jobs, uh, I was able to take those months off and just focus on coding only. I would get up in the morning about 5.15, 5.30, and I would code for an hour and a half until my kids woke up. And then I'd get them ready for school, take them to school, and then I would go start delivering groceries or anything else or, and then do my church work. I would code 
pretty much a little bit in the mornings and then sometimes in the evenings, depending on how things went. It was definitely a challenge balancing family and work and trying to learn a new skill and get a new job. But really, you know, I drive around and I just listen to podcasts and listen to the Scrimba podcasts. And, you know, anytime you, you start to feel like, hey, maybe, you know, this isn't going well or it's taking me way longer than I thought, you start to realize, like, uh, I think one of the biggest things was realizing it doesn't matter, you know, if I finish this the fastest. It doesn't matter if I finish this right away. And it doesn't matter if I get the job when I want to, as long as I don't stop doing it, like I'll get there. It's not something that is impossible. You just have to keep trying. Right on. The only way to guarantee you fail is to stop trying. Yeah, that was the message that came through loud and clear in a lot of the podcasts, the scrimmage podcasts, especially. That was encouraging to me. And just hearing like all the other people that did it and succeeded that came from other crazy backgrounds. I was like, okay, maybe I haven't lost my mind. Circling back to why I ended up choosing programming, it really stood out to me that this is kind of the only professional field where you don't have to have a degree. Like a CS degree is awesome. Um, but I've done a lot of schooling already. I've got a bachelor's and I've got a master's in the church side of things. And I was like, I really don't want to go back to school for something, uh, you know. And so programming, I can learn the skill. And if I can demonstrate I can do the thing, uh, then that's all that some or most companies now really care about. It was a little bit of a time investment, but a pretty low barrier of entry as far as like, I don't have to have a specific thing from a specific university. I can just learn the skill and do the job. I think it's one of the most liberating things on the planet. Okay, you wouldn't let a dentist or a heart surgeon operate on you without very very good qualifications. But a programmer (laughs) can have a go at contributing to a code base. And if you're good at it, you know, you can keep contributing. I think that's I think that's amazing. How did you come across Scrimba, by the way? I keep trying to remember how I found Scrimba. I started with some free resources and I started with PHP, which was just like maybe not the best idea, but it worked for teaching me some basic concepts. I did a little bit of CodeCademy. Uh, and then I'm transitioned to free code camp. At that point, I was just trying to wrap my head around what all these acronyms are, you know, CSS and HTML and trying to figure out what part they played. And I kept running into Scrimba, you know, and it's got such a unique name that I was like, okay, this, this sounds weird. <laughs> I think I'd find it like in forum posts or, you know, people would mention in like Stack Overflow things or I don't know where I found it, but I eventually made it to the Scrimba website and I was like, oh man, this is exactly what I need because it takes all the work of like, what do I need to learn? And just kind of like says, look, just follow this path and you'll know everything you need to know. Um, And that took a huge like weight off of me to just be able to say, okay, I'm not going to go back to school per se, but if I go through this course and, you know, the front end developer career path, then when I get to the end, I will have learned and studied the things I need to know. Um, And so then I could stop focusing on well, you know, should I learn PHP? Should I learn WordPress? Should I try to learn Java or some backend language? Uh, And I could really just focus on, all right, what's the next step? That was really helpful to me. Coming up on the Scrimba podcast, how Chris used the interconnected power of LinkedIn to forge connections, which ultimately landed him a job. I did have a post that got like, it it was insane. It was like 20,000 or 30,000 people looked at it. All that to come and more, but real quick, Jan, the producer, and I wanted to ask you a quick favor. This is the part of the show and I remind you that the best way to support a podcast you like is word of mouth. 
So if you find this episode interesting or insightful and you know somebody who also has to hear it, please share it with them, be it on socials, on Discord or in person. And if you're feeling extra supportive of our work here, please consider leaving us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We release a new episode every Tuesday, so if you subscribe to us, you know you'll be getting a new insightful interview in your feed every week. And next week, Alex is talking to Bob Zirol. He's Krimba's head of education, and believe it or not, this is going to be the first time we're having him on the podcast, so I'm looking forward to that. And now, back to the interview with Chris. One of the most challenging things in like today's world, our interconnected online world, is that we know just how many options there are out there. And we know that as individuals, we can only really pick one, maybe two, right? One or two paths. And uh, it leads to like analysis paralysis. So you think all these options are a great thing. But the thing that escapes a lot of people, I think, is that at first you think you can master everything. You just assume like, oh, if you're a developer, you know everything about developing. And then you compare yourself to those people, not realizing that even the most experienced developers at prestigious companies companies, at best, they only master a small sliver of development. And I think when you realize that it can be quite a liberating feeling because you can remove some of that pressure off your shoulders and just focus on hopefully having fun with it, right? Like in, you know, Scrimba, we try and do that with interactive projects and podcasts and live streams and all the rest of it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, And I remember the first thing, you know, in the career path or the first thing I did on Scrimba, Pierre, he's teaching it. And it's so fun. This is something I've never learned before. And I think it was like the people counter and just to see, cause you know, one of the questions like when you start is, you know, what am I really going to build with this? Am I going to be just building things that I don't know about that, you know, don't interact with the real world. And so then to do the people counter app where he was counting people coming out of the subway was just like, a, Oh, okay. Like I understand now why I need, you know, to be able to increment things and why that's helpful. That was like one of the things that was so fun for me was getting to build all the projects and just see the different ways that this can be applied. Cause you know, I'm not like the most creative person, you know, I'm not going to just go out and build something brand new. I like to tinker with things, work on things that are already there. So to see all the different options for like what you can really do with code, you know, I've done a little bit of woodworking and it just feels like having a really good tool. Um, it's like, I don't know, you know, exactly what I'm going to use this tool for, but look at all the stuff I can do with it. And then you see what other people are doing. And you're like, oh, hey, I, I can use my tool to do that. Uh, and that's kind of what programming became, you know, building out a tool set. You completed the Scrimba front-end developer career path, right? Okay. I made it so close to completing it. This is hilarious. I made it all the way to like the React section. And I was starting the React section when I got the interview for the company I'm working at. And when I got the interview, like I'd listened to so many of the Scrimba podcasts about how to network on LinkedIn. Like the first thing I did was reach out to like five or six people at the company to try to find out like what stack they use and whatever else I can so I could prepare for the interview. So in doing that, I found out they use Vue. And so I stopped doing React. Uh, I stopped doing the career path and I just like dove really hard into Vue for two or three days. And so I still actually have not completed the Scrimba career path. It's on my list of like, I really want to make it through and get the certificate and, you know, hang it on the wall. But it's so funny to me that, you know, really I didn't even make it all the way through 
through before I got a job, which I thought, you know, I'd finish it and I'd have to do seven or eight other things before I really could get a job. It's just a funny way that it's worked out. Well, let me say, first of all, that at Scrimba, we feel as though most learners benefit from like an amalgamation of resources. And so if you had the good intel that this company uses Vue.js and that could help you in the interview process, I think it's awesome you went to study it in more depth. And uh, yeah, hoping you get that certificate soon because you definitely deserve it. One thing that maybe helped me out was my brother-in-law, when I initially asked him, uh, he basically said, yeah, it's something you can learn. You know, you can become a dev within a year. And he's such a great guy. He said, I'll help you. And so for that nine or 10 months that I was doing Scrimba, we were meeting weekly over Google Meet and just pair coding. Um, it started out, you know, me asking him about silly stuff like how to the for loop and, you know, defining variables and what's actually happening. But he did that with me the whole time. Uh, and so I did dive into React a lot with him before I made it to the React portion of Scrimba. I'm looking forward to going through and finishing it because uh, then not only will I have a working knowledge of Vue, but then I can have a working knowledge of React. And the, the nice thing is like they build off each other. A lot of the things I learned in doing, you know, some of the React course on Scrimba and then in working in it with my brother-in-law, you know, just immediately transferred over to Vue. So how many months into learning to code were you when you first started applying for jobs, Chris? And like, did you think you had a realistic shot at success at that point? That's a fun question. I started maybe six months in, I think it was like January or February that I started applying. And I did not think I had a shot at all. And I really only started applying because that's the advice I heard pretty much everywhere was you're never going to feel like you're ready, but go out there, apply and practice anyways. And so I, I applied and you know, I'd find a job that looked interesting to me that was with a cool company uh, and I would apply. And most of the times I would not hear back. Um, I did a lot of just kind of firing out applications on LinkedIn. The easy apply was so nice. But it's funny, actually, every interview I got was through connecting in some way with somebody on LinkedIn as opposed to applying. The position that I ended up at uh, was completely through LinkedIn. I didn't fill out an application, I think. I think I just talked to the recruiter. By the way, as a pastor slash odd jobs type of person, did you even have a LinkedIn profile before you started uh, looking for a developer job? No, I didn't. I created one, you know, I think I was like at my daughter's gymnastic class and I was sitting and I created a LinkedIn profile on my phone. And the first person I added uh, was another of my brothers. He's a data scientist. And he messaged me immediately, like through text message. And he's like, hey, I think somebody is trying to pretend to be you. Is that really you on LinkedIn? Because <laughs> uh, it was so odd that I I would have a LinkedIn because I had never, you know, I'm not a huge social media guy um, and I'd never, you know, used LinkedIn. I remember like getting emails from it in college from, you know, friends and professors adding stuff on LinkedIn. I was never really interested and I didn't really know anything about it. So no, I completely started a LinkedIn about halfway through Scrimba. Um, and that was totally from hearing from the podcast, like, hey, this is one of the, you know, few things that you really need to get a job. Um, and so like Scrimba and LinkedIn, you can do anything thing if you have those two things. The thing that's really impressive is that you really know how to use LinkedIn now. So if people check out your profile, admittedly, it might have changed a bit by the time you hear the episode, who knows? But there's nothing like too crazy about your profile, right? Like you don't have that much work experience or details listed. 100% of the appeal of your LinkedIn profile comes from your posts. You write almost like you're blogging or thinking out loud, yet it's very engaging. And actually people really engage with your posts. I think at one point you just, you know, you didn't overthink it. You were like, hey, just applied for my first development 
up a job, hope it goes well. And you got like 500 likes or something, people just showing the support. And I know that gave your profile some, some reach as well, which probably helped uh, when it came to search results and recruiters and whoever checking out your profile. You also have, you know, 500 connections and it's hard for me to dissect all of your comments and, and interactions, but it sounds like you were, you know, taking full advantage of the fact that you could message people and comment on their posts. What I'm getting at is that, you know, you hear advice about LinkedIn and it's often, okay, make sure you've got a good headshot and make sure you've got your desired job title in the headline, not the job you necessarily have, but the one you want, because that's how recruiters find you. That's a great starting point. But actually, I think what you've proved is the most impactful thing is to genuinely be present on the platform and strive to form connections with people. And it's not something that comes easy to many people at all, like putting yourself out there in the first instance, but also finding your tone of voice on social media. It takes many people months, if not years, and people never get there. But I want to hear from you, like, how is that experience for you sort of putting yourself out there a bit more? Am I sort of on the right path with my assumption that these are the things that really help accelerate your process? Yeah. So I used LinkedIn as a way to make connections. And I just connected aggressively with anybody I could find that worked in software. You have more connections than me, by the way. Oh, that's hilarious. I started out just like, I need to know somebody to connect with them. And then I realized like, I can click the connect button on anyone. And so I started with, you know, a few, I would just search software developer, or I connected one person, and then I would just add 30 or 40 of their connections. Every once in a while, I'd sit down and just send out a ton of connection requests. And the purpose wasn't like, I didn't even know it kept track until, you know, I was like at 400. But one, I wanted to like fill up my feed with software stuff. So when I'm on there, I'm learning. But then I also wanted the opportunity to like, see what other people are talking about, and then take part in it. And it definitely was outside my comfort zone, you know, posting. It's always felt weird to me to just post stuff. I know a lot of people love it. But I sent a lot of messages too. And I, I made some good friends and connected with them. And that was really helpful. Kind of the best part of LinkedIn was just how you can be connected to anybody else. And I feel like everybody in software is just really willing to share and to talk and to help people who are genuinely trying to learn either technical things or just trying to like to get into the field. Um, everybody I talked to was was super helpful. That's incredible to hear. And how did you feel about the sort of tone of voice part? I just kind of stream of consciousness it. Uh, just whatever was kind of coming, I was thinking about and wanting to share, I would just write it up real quick and hit post before I could think about it too much. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, the worst that happened is, is nobody sees it and that's fine. I remember I did have a post that got like, it, it was insane. It was like 20,000 or 30,000 engagement. Uh, like people looked at it and I was like, this is crazy. This can be really helpful for me looking for a job. You mentioned my profile. I don't like tinkering with things like that because I feel like you can never get it paid. And so from my perspective, I kind of just did the bare minimum of whatever I heard on the Scrimba podcast was like, you have to have this on your profile, like setting your header or your title to the job you want. Um, and it was actually something that I heard on Scrimba that got me the job. Um, and it was that you need to have all of your education. And so I had my, you know, my bachelor's degree and my, my other church stuff on there, but I didn't put Scrimba on until very late. 
it was like the beginning of May and I was listening to the Scrimba podcast. I had no job interviews. You know, I'd done one or two, maybe they didn't pan out. And the podcast said like, you really need to have all of your education and all of the things you can fill out, filled out. And so I was like, okay, you know, fine. I'll add it. You know, I went into my profile. I was like, I'm not going to tinker too long. I just want to add it real quick. And I just added like Scrimba front end career path plan completion, May, 2022. And so what I didn't realize was that LinkedIn like takes your information and then sometimes it'll just like send it out to people. And so all of a sudden I got like 40 or 50 messages. I was almost done. So I was planning to finish the career path by the end of May. And so I would get all these messages, congrats on finishing Scrimba. And I was like, what is going on? Turns out that LinkedIn sent out a, Hey, it's May, 2022. Chris says he's going to graduate in May. Uh, Let's spam all of his connections that he's done. And so like, I would respond to people. I'm like, thanks so much. You know, I'm almost finished. I'm working on it. One of the people that reached out had the hiring banner. Uh, And so I clicked through, I saw the positions they were hiring for, I applied, but then I followed up and I messaged her and I said, Hey, thanks for messaging me. I applied for this position. I really don't think, you know, that maybe I'm a great fit, but will you take a look at my application? Because it was looking for like one or two years of experience as a full stack dev. Um, But the company looked really cool. And, you know, you can never hurt yourself by applying. And she said, Yeah, great, I'll take a look. And that's how we got started talking. And she got back to me and was like, you're not a fit for that position. But we're planning to do an internship in, you know, a couple weeks or so. So I'll get back to you. And I thought, I'm not ever going to hear back from her. You know, that was a nice way to say, we don't want to hire you. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, I get a message saying, Hey, you know, when can we schedule a phone call? I was like, okay, cool. She wants to call, you know, and connect and just talk some more. And she called and started talking about this internship. And I was like, this really sounds perfect. It sounds like a great fit. What was your first impression when she mentioned an internship? Because often the connotation with internships is that maybe they're for university students or people at the very beginning of their career, maybe that's in the early twenties, for example. Is it something you'd anticipated coming across as your first developer opportunity? And and how did it make you feel once that opportunity was in front of you? I really loved it. I loved the idea of getting to start out. Um, It wasn't like a lengthy thing. It was a one month internship. Internships, usually you think of college, but it didn't really bother me. I'm not huge on having to have like the right title or anything like that. I just wanted the opportunity, you know, to get my foot in the door because you you hear that like once you get your foot in the door, everything's kind of smooth sailing from there. Like you get the opportunity to learn. You now have professional experience um, because the only experience I had was I did like a little freelancing. It was not anything big. It was actually like working with Webflow and WordPress. And so it wasn't even related to what I was learning. But the ability to put that on and say like, you know, I'm pursuing this professionally and put it on your resume was really helpful. And so when she told me about the internship, I thought it sounded perfect. It was a paid internship. The goal was that they want to hire people and they want to give uh, people who either are coming out of boot camps or self-taught, they wanted to give them a shot to get into the industry. And it would be something where I'd get to pair up with devs who've been doing this for a long time and, and learn from them and do some real coding on a real code base. You know, it seemed like the perfect opportunity. Is it fair to say that this internship was effectively like a one month paid trial? I assume maybe there were a few interns in this cohort and maybe a few of you got hired at the end of the month. 100%. And they were upfront about that too. Like, the, you know, they want to hire people who are just coming out, but an internship is a little bit lower 
lower barrier of entry. There were five of us. Four out of five of us got full-time offers after the internship. Oh, I feel really bad for the one person that didn't make it. I do too. It was great. So they did an internship and uh, the goal was they wanted to bring more people on. They're growing their team. And it was really crazy because I got in really early. I didn't ever like officially apply, but you know, I had that screening call with the recruiter. I mean, she was super nice. Everything sounded really good. And then I start seeing her posts on LinkedIn about how many people are applying once she like made it public. And there were like over 700 people that applied for the internship. 700? Yeah, 700. And when I heard that, I was like, that was a great call, but there's no chance I'm hearing back from her. And then I got a message that uh, they wanted to set up an interview. And I went in and that was when some advice from Scrimba really came in. Uh, So a couple times I'd heard that people got interviews with a stack that they weren't familiar with and just kind of spent the few days before the interview really trying to learn it. And that's what happened to me. They work in Vue and AWS and I wasn't going to learn AWS in a few days. So I really like paused everything and went really hard at learning Vue. The internship, the whole goal was that you had to show them that you could learn, that you could write code that worked and they didn't have to go behind you and rewrite. You know, that's not a lofty goal. It's, are you willing to learn and can you like progress over this month? And so I was like, you know what, I'll just show them I can do that now. So I learned Vue, I watched some videos and then really the best way I like learning is like, I just did the initial, you know, create a basic view app following the official tutorial. And then I broke as many things as I could in the code and tried to fix it Uh, and, you know, messed around with it enough to where I started to understand like, okay, here's how we're rendering things and here's where I can stick methods. And so then I built a project uh, in like two days. It was a really basic project where basically, you know, you could make a schedule and add things to different hours, which was challenging from a technical standpoint when you've never worked in Vue. But I was able to to do it. You know, I remember I, I took my laptop to the park and kind of just sat there and, and hammered it out. And, you know, you look up things and you get bugs and then you work on it. Uh, and so I got that done the night before the interview. And then the interview was really just talking and chatting about history, uh, background and what you've been learning and then showing them projects. And so the two projects I showed them, one was the color picker API uh, project that is in the Scrimba career path. Um, that was on my resume as one of my projects that I, I really liked because it was the first thing I ever did with an API. And then the other was this view project that I built. And I just kind of walked them through. And, you know, I'm sure that I made mistakes in my technical explanation of what I did. But, you know, it was good enough to show. And I, I let them know, like, I've never worked in view. And so this is, you know, two days of me learning it. But I had something to show. And I think that really helped my chances. I mean, if their aim is to find someone keen and with some base level of skill, but also the ability and desire to keep learning, it's almost as if you proved that you can learn before the internship even started, essentially de-risking yourself. And and I think clearly making you one of the most attractive candidates. That was the goal was like, let's give them the easiest time hiring me. Let's not leave them any questions of whether I'd be a good fit and can learn this stuff. And so I 
I just figured, you know, let's let's learn it ahead of time. I'm kind of curious, like, what was your perspective of the other interns in your cohort? Because you presumably all came from different backgrounds and maybe had different strengths and maybe some new views, some didn't, etc. What kind of tasks do they make you work on and, and how did you all jive together as interns? The internship was really great. We worked the entire time on a refactor project. The company that I'm working for does a lot of software for quick service restaurants, uh, like fast food restaurants, for the back end that the owner operators used to kind of track everything. And so they've got a new project they're working on that's like a workforce app where you can clock in and clock out. It tracks all of your HR stuff. You've got your schedule and all of that. And so this was an app that they built a couple of years ago, but they're planning to move it to a new back end. And so there was a lot of front-end refactoring. Um, and so their, their thought process was what better way to learn than to read other people's code and to fix things that are broken and, you know, kind of really uh, move statefulness from the children components all the way up uh, to the parent components. So when we do the new backend, it's a lot less to have to go through because we had, uh, we use Vuex, we use Vuetify, and we had Vuex uh, map getters and map actions in like every single component. Uh, and so when we change the backend to have to go through and change every component is just too much. So we worked the entire time on a refactor and we were basically, they kind of said, here's the direction we want you to go. And then let us kind of have some freedom to figure out how to get there. So they split us into two teams. I was with two other interns uh, and we were just on a call uh, every day for, you know, the full seven or eight hours that we worked that day. And we just worked together. We would, you know, figure out what we needed to be working on. They'd give us files and say, like, start here and refactor this. And then it was just this slow process of, you know, we'd try something, we'd make a pull request, sometimes to the wrong branch, and then we'd fix it. Whenever it got to the manager, he would give us some great feedback of like, you know, really, we want to do it this way. Have you thought about doing it this way? Uh, and then we'd iterate over it a couple of times. And then that pull request would get merged into like our intern branch uh, where we had all of our work. And then, I mean, that branch has now been merged into production now and it's being used in a, in a real restaurant. That was pretty empowering as an intern to get to write code that immediately, you know, within a month is being used. How did you compare to the other two interns in your group? What was their background in education, for example? Both of the other interns I worked with were really great. They both come from a boot camp. So they had more backends and more robust, like, straight JavaScript than I did, but I was the only one that had worked in Vue, and I'd only worked in it for two days. So the first, you know, maybe week was just the wild, wild west of figuring out what Vue is, and it was made even more difficult because I didn't even know Vueify was a thing, and I had no idea about Vuex when we started. So a lot of it was us helping each other and working together, and we really kind of filled in each other's gaps well, which was really nice. Being able to work with others to kind of pair program, work on the same files to start. And then, because I think the first maybe three or four days, we just kind of screen shared. One person would code and we would kind of talk through it. Uh, and then we'd swap and somebody else would code. I definitely was able to keep up technical wise. And then I love working with people. I love working in a group. Uh, it's part of what I love about being a pastor is the people uh, that you get to work with and care for. It was really a lot of fun. It just sounds incredibly exciting. And I can just imagine you all sort of huddling over the tasks and helping each other out. You're painting such an inspiring picture because I know some people listening will be wanting to be there soon enough. 
you know, when we had our first PR that got approved, none of them got approved without a couple of iterations. But once we got the first pull request approved, it was such a celebration. It was so fun. Uh, you're absolutely right that it's it's really a different thing. You know, when you're building your own projects, you know whether you're going to post them and people will see them. And so going from that to now working on code that like 90 other people are working on and, you know, it's going to be used in a real environment, it's definitely a different a different feel. And then when you actually do it, you know, it gets approved and merged. It's such a great feeling. All right. So you were doing the internship and it sounds like things were going swimmingly, but I just can't imagine you could shake the feeling for things might come to an end like you didn't know the outcome necessarily even though there might have been indicators at the end of the month you were surely left wondering will i will i be selected to move on how did the events transpire like how did you eventually get offered the full-time position because that's super exciting obviously it was very harrowing knowing that at the end of the month you're either going to get the job or not because they were very upfront you know they want to hire us uh, but we got to show we can do it and if they hire us we're starting the first day of the next month so at least we had a timeline of saying we'll know by this date it's not like we're going to get ghosted and we're not going to get left wondering that's a very green flag that's great it was really nice. What really happened was kind of three out of four of the weeks were learning and coding. And then that last week, they assigned us a whole like list of tasks and said, divvy these up, do your best work, and we'll decide and use these to really see how far you've come. That was probably, you know, the most stressful part of the internship. Which task do I pick? And can I really do this? Uh, you know, because there was some like CSS stuff, like let's make things responsive uh, so that it works on mobile. Um, but then there was also some bigger refactoring projects. I just tried to pick like a good spread of things and work really hard on them. And it turned out that I did okay. Two days before the internship ended, uh, we had a call with the manager one-on-one, and then they let us know that they're going to extend an offer. I'd also been interviewing two months before this. I'd applied at another place, uh, and then they got back to me halfway through the internship. And so I interviewed uh, also for that. Was that Home Depot? Yeah, it was. The guy that I did the freelance work for worked for Home Depot and was a referral for me. You know, it all lined up so that the last week of the internship, I ended up getting two offers and being able to really decide where I wanted to work. And I chose to stay where I was, where I'd done the internship, because one, I really loved the team I was working on. They were really, really great to bring me on as an intern and give me that shot. And so it was something where I want to stay. I know the culture. I know the work I'm going to be doing, you know, and it's such a great fit. Uh, and it's such a fun place to work. Did your manager give you an easy time in the in the video call? Because I know you must have been anxious, like jumping on the call to hear the results. The previous guest named Stevie was telling me about how the manager did like a drum roll. It was a, a weird experience. He did a drum roll for like telling me how much they were going to offer me in terms of um, salary and benefits. When you said about there being four or five interns, I had images of like X Factor or America's Got Talent or something where they bring you out one by one and say unfortunately you will not be going forward or something yeah there was no dramatic pauses or anything and and no drama i don't know if it was the manager that told us it might have been the recruiter that said they were going to extend the offer but when we found out the one-on-one with the manager was great and it was just kind of going over things that went well areas where i can spend some more time improving and then just uh an opportunity to ask questions because at that point i was still kind of considering what i wanted to do uh which offer i wanted to accept 
And so within nine months, she went from not really knowing anything about coding and, you know, doubting herself a little bit along the way, as many of us on this path do, to get not just one, but two offers. Like, how did that feel? Oh, man, it was such a blessing to, to see it all come together and just to realize that, uh, you know, the hard work paid off. It's something I really can do, uh, even if there are days where you bang your head against the keyboard and, uh, you know, you spend your whole day looking for a capital L that's really supposed to be a lowercase L, you know, that's ruining the entire uh, thing you're building. But at the end of the day, you know, to really see what you get to do and what you get to contribute and just how fun it is to solve problems. Uh, it's my favorite thing about it is just finding the things that are broken and fixing them. It's been such a great fit and I really am so grateful for Scrimba and for all that you guys do on the podcast. It made me feel like I wasn't, you know, going through it alone. To hear the story of so many people that went through this and from, you know, from nowhere, from with nothing, no CS degrees or anything, learned and then got a job was just incredible and encouraging. Uh, and then I'm, I'm just so grateful to now be on this side of it and to get to, you know, spend my time doing something I love. And we are grateful to you for paying it forward. Chris McCoy, thank you so much for joining me on the Scrimber podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. That was Chris McCoy, and you've heard what he said. If you need some inspiration or motivation on your coding journey, feel free to dive into the archives of the Scrimba podcast. We have interviewed so many new developers from various different backgrounds, as well as a lot of industry experts, and all of them shared some valuable advice that you can use to learn to code and land your first junior developer job. And who knows, maybe one day we will interview you. The podcast is hosted by Alex Booker. You can find his Twitter handle in the show notes. And I'm your producer, Jan Arsinovic. We will see you next week.